Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and registered art therapist. And I'm Catherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and you're listening to Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. So Allie, how many no-shows have you had this week? Well, I was on vacation, so maybe this will give me an out, but I will be honest and say that I'm really too flexible with my cancellation policy. I'm being vulnerable here. <laughs> How about you? Really? Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty strict about it. Um, I don't have a lot of flexibility because as soon as I give myself a little flexibility or a little wiggle room, then like, you know, it's a slippery slope for me. So I'm pretty yeah. firm and I have like my admin help, help me be really firm, but. I know. Well, I'm, I, I'm, I guess we could say like borderline bad therapist, but I will also say I have, I'm so lucky where I have an incredible retention rate. Like my clients are amazing. They show up mm-hmm. most of the time. So I feel like maybe because of that, I'm a little more flexible because it's rare when people do kind of like cancel. I rarely have no shows, knock on wood. Like I'm very grateful for that. So maybe because it doesn't happen a lot, I'm pretty flexible. And I will say that too, some weeks I'm so booked, I'm praying for somebody to cancel. <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely, absolutely been there. Please cancel so I can get caught up on notes. Yeah, or, go to the or so I can go run. Yeah, eat, I was going to say, so I can eat lunch if I'm not scheduling myself a lunch. <laughs> well before we get into ryan's story um about how he had to manage a very complex situation that involved i think 18 late cancellations and 11 Mm no-shows um we do want to remind you that everything we say here is for entertainment purposes and not a substitute for therapy ethical guidance or clinical consultations all right and this is episode number two of am i a bad therapist let's get into it Hi, Ryan. Um, Before we hear about why you're a bad therapist, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your clinical practice? Absolutely, Allie. Uh, So my name is Ryan. I am a licensed clinical uh, professional counselor here in Chicago, Illinois. I work at a group private practice um, where we get to help and, you know, kind of guide a lot of people to the mental health that they need in their own journeys. Um, My own personal practice involves a lot of work with members of the LGBTQ community. I tend to joke a lot, especially with some of y'all here, that it kind of feels like practicing small town mental health, just with all of the overlapping relationships. Um, But a lot of what I do is really focusing on anxiety, depression, the standard stuff for most of us therapists. But a lot of what I really found my uh, kind of niche in is 
working with individuals navigating through really challenging relational difficulties, either within themselves or within the relationships that they're a part of. I, you know, living and working in an actual small town, <laughs> I can absolutely relate to the ethical dilemmas that come up when you are part of the community in which you serve, which I know that Ryan, you and I have swapped stories many a times on navigating those situations. So I would love for you to share with us and our audience, tell us why you're a bad therapist. Oh, I'm not. I'm perfect. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I think what's so important about kind of acknowledging like what makes someone a bad therapist isn't necessarily like a label at large, but hey, you you might have some screw ups. And how did you navigate through that? And I think a lot of times those like bad therapist moments are like when we hurt a client. And whether that was intentional or not is really the most important piece there. And can you kind of repair from that rupture um, or you know how can you manage your own feelings about it knowing that maybe it's that client's journey to process that rupture and that um, injury and wounding on on their own without you couldn't agree more now mm-hmm. when you share this do any particular situations from your career come up yeah I am um, I have one in particular that I'd love to share with you guys today and it's one that I had to seek out so much consultation on. And I kid you not, I really talked, I think, to maybe five or six different colleagues about this particular case here, just trying to figure out what do I do? How do I kind of address this? And then also blatantly, did I fuck up? Mm-hmm. Well, what's so, do? This was, <laughs> well, <laughs> So the short version of this is that I had a client that I was working with for almost two years. And over the course of those two years, this client late canceled or no-showed 18 times. And how often were you seeing them? How often were they scheduled with you? They were scheduled to be seen once a week. Once a week, 18 times. Now, that's just late canceled. There were also several other cancellations for a variety of other reasons. But more likely than not, this was someone who was supposed to come in on a weekly basis and just would either the the night before, the day of, the hour of, would either text me or just not show up at all and would come up with some form of an excuse saying like, can't make it. And what were your cancellation policies at this point? So my cancellation policy is pretty standard you know, from what I understand, requiring a 24-hour advance notice. Otherwise, there's a late cancellation fee that's applied to a client's account. And so you can contact me in all sorts of ways, right? You can email me, text me, call me, right? Hell, you can send me a letter in the mail if you really know in advance that far enough, right? But, you know, we give people a lot of different openings to say so. I even create my own email reminders to clients that go out 25 hours in advance of the appointment. So like, there are so many opportunities for someone to say, Hey, I'm not going to come. Yeah. So did this person, this client pay 18 late cancel fees? Yes. Wow. So in addition to paying for, you know, whatever co-payment you have per session, you're also paying a lot of extra money on top of that, that insurance is not covering. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did play out with this? Yeah. Tell us more. Yeah. So I guess to kind of dig in a little bit more, I received this referral within our practice. Um, 
partner of one of my colleagues' clients was looking for a therapist. Um, he worked with our practice manager initially to try and schedule his first appointment. And he experienced so many difficulties just trying to get him scheduled in the first place. And it was very surprising. Um, but eventually we did get him into the office and he kind of described initially like anxiety issues, right? Um, I did my intake and the assessment revealed the diagnosis for post-traumatic stress disorder in chronic sense. Um, this client had just a significant trauma history um, that stretched all the way back to his childhood um, involving both sets of parents as perpetrators. Um, the complicating factor of this particular case is that the client revealed over the course of his intake and the resulting sessions that his partner had engaged in several acts of verbal, physical, and emotional abuse. Um, you know, just over time, he would reveal additional instances of domestic violence that occurred within their relationship. I just, I remember so many stories um, that he would share with me a, a day or even hours after they happened of times where, you know, he would share that his partner had shut off his phone and credit card and threatened to throw him out of the home and had in fact actually had the locks changed. Um, after, this is the key piece there, the client had discovered he confronted the partner for cheating on him. Um, so this client even shared that he had only one positive therapeutic experience his whole life. Um, this was a therapist that his uh, parent had set him up with in secret from the rest of his family and friends. Um, and I found that to be particularly activating, right? It kind of hit on that, you know, that compassionate part of myself. It was like, all right, this is where we kind of dig in. This is where, you know, things get to be a little bit more high pressure as a therapist. Um, because he also added that the handful of other attempts to find therapy, he reported had ended abruptly after a few sessions. He had said essentially that he didn't continue them because he didn't want to continue talking about those things. I will admit wholeheartedly that I had so much emotion and compassion for this guy and what he was struggling with. To think about someone who had a chronic history of trauma, individuals in his life who hadn't been there for him in ways that he needed, and in fact, been completely neglectful of his needs to have the most intimate partnership be a space that is lacking severe safety and actually be quite harmful to him. You know, my heart kept going out to this person. Um, and so part of what I really kind of can admit that I latched onto is that this person truly began to believe that he wasn't worth anything. So over the course of our treatment together, um, I noticed that the client would cancel many of his sessions. Um, sometimes he would provide advance notice, thankfully, right? You know, that's what we ask for folks. Um, but most of the time, um, he canceled within one to two hours of the if showing up. Um, like I said to you guys, um, you know, I have a policy on late cancellations, right? It's pretty standard as I understand across the industry. Um, but then I have like this own personal practice where, you know, if you have a time slot with me, right? Like that's your slot every week, unless you and I miss some arrangement that, you know, we're going to change that. But if you miss that with a late cancellation or a no show more than three times within a six month period, you lose that time slot, right? I tell clients about this after the second occurrence. So like, this is something that you will know about for me. 
in total, this client no-showed or late canceled 18 times and canceled 11 sessions in under two years of therapy. So this is the part where I, I found myself just kind of struggling, like, why am I continuing to kind of, you know, bend this boundary that I have with clients? Like, I should feasibly at this point, you know, already kind of reinforce it, release this time slot, et cetera. Uh-huh. But because of the compassion I had for him, I bent my policy and I pushed myself to keep working. And now for a quick ad break. Fun fact, Ellie and I actually met on the Teletherapist Network. That we did. And if you'd like to join like-minded therapists like us in a private network away from the distractions of social media, just visit teletherapistnetwork.com. There is so much going on inside the network. There's clinical consultation groups, like the one I host, Creativity in the Clinical Room. There's media requests, templates, masterclasses, and more. And we would love for you to join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Finding artwork that is appropriate for the therapy room while also being aesthetically pleasing can be such a challenge. Well, that is why I created the Joy of Therapy Shop. It is full of mental health art prints, accessories, and more. You can find items ranging from a bohemian vibe to funny quotes to lighten the mood. My favorite right now are the holographic stickers. Me too. As a Bad Therapist listener, you can get your first digital download of an individual print for just 25 cents using the code BADTHERAPIST. Go to joyoftherapy.com to find my Etsy store and Instagram account. And let's get back into it. I convinced myself at this point that, you know, we have developed this rapport and ability for him to be vulnerable with me. And at one point in our work together, I became emboldened to name this like very cancellation kind of habit as an avoidance of therapy and the, the emotional distress that he experiences. And he agreed. So it kind of really affirmed this idea for me that like, yes, you know what you're talking about here. This is what's happening here. This is the way that he can show up, right? Like, let's be a little bit more flexible with these boundaries because people show up in the way that they can. So towards the end of, of our working relationship together, we had come to an understanding. I said that I'll make you a deal. You can show up for three sessions per month and we can continue working. That means you can cancel for any reason, right? I don't care if it's a late cancel, a no-show, you cancel in advance, you can cancel once per month. But if you cancel more than once per month, then we have to stop. And he had claimed that he understood where I was coming from and why I was trying to reinforce his boundary. And he said, sure, I can do that. And he managed that for two months. But then within the two months, client missed two sessions for reasons he described to be, quote unquote, out of his control. This was a moment where I thought, mm, I really feel like I need to reinforce this boundary. I set this with him. Mm-hmm. Why am I not doing this? Why am I choosing to continue to work with the magnets? I reminded, I didn't have an answer, but I did remind the client of the boundary and told him that I should reinforce it. But I am choosing not to because he said he knew what it meant being termination. Wow. Now, I'm curious, did something lead – so when you set that boundary, was there like an increase of like additional or more than usual cancellations? What led you to that point to set that boundary of we're going to do 
this understanding of attend three sessions a month? What led up to that? So admittedly, this was partially because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, this was at the height of the pandemic mm -hmm. when there was such a need for services, right? I'm confident that the two of you uh, were also experiencing a lot of the same requests that I was of clients who were looking for therapists. And I saw this time slot in my schedule that wasn't being utilized. And I felt a need to kind of set that boundary for both myself so that I could support other people, but also for him. Mm -hmm because I am saving this for him and I am showing up for him in this way. And this is a way that he could show up for me. And so I figured this was a way that I could set a boundary for both myself, for him, and for anyone else who is trying to receive services. I think we, we can absolutely relate to that and during that phase of the pandemic. Um, my question actually backs it up a tiny bit before you set that boundary. What about this client really made you bend your already existing boundaries? Do you do that for other clients or was this client in particularly different? Because in the work we do, we do see a lot of trauma sometimes. So I'm, I'm questioning whether that's the unique aspect or not. That is a great question. <laughs> My immediate reaction to that is that there was something about this person who I I just felt for in such a pure way. Um, maybe it was his story. Um, maybe it was, you know, the way in which I just empathized with him so much. And I don't think I can really put a finger on it, except to just say, this is clearly someone who was in distress and I felt called upon for whatever reason to be that person to thank you for sharing that because i can i can absolutely relate to that indescribable pull um and as much as we try to identify the counter transference um sometimes you can't quite put your finger on it right but you know it's there and so that's what we're acknowledging here right that that pull to help um and and consequently the the justification perhaps of of bending some boundaries along the way yeah. yeah oh man so up to this point then so you've shared with us you were working with this client they had no showed or canceled 18 times with an additional 11 it sounds like right like maybe within like 24 hours um you had been working with them you set this boundary that if they could attend three sessions per month you would continue but they did not meet that. So you decided to terminate. What happened next? So the piece actually that is so important here is that we had to fast forward a month into that decision against termination, right? Okay. Which was he had announced during one of his sessions that he was going to quote unquote, take a break from therapy for that specific month. Um, he believed that he was doing better after he finally accepted his need for some form of anxiolytic. Um, admittedly, I didn't agree um, that this was something that he needed at the time. Um, and I voiced that and said, I'm not sure that this is actually the best timing for you. I think if the anxiolytics are working, then let's take advantage of that and really lean into you know, the benefits of talk therapy. Mm -hmm. But like any other client, I met them where they're at. And they said, if this is what you need, then I'll meet you there. 
And so we took the break off for a month. During that time, um, I admittedly got a lot of space from him, of course, right? You're not working with a client for a month. And it actually got me to feel what it was like during that hour to not be sitting with him. And it actually created a lot of space for me to be very reflective of what was coming up, right? What was coming up about that time that I was spending with him. And it created space for some of the other feelings that I was having about the fact that I was bending these boundaries, that I was, you know, kind of agreeing to work with this person who was admittedly struggling um, and who wasn't necessarily meeting me in the way that, you know, we would expect most clients to show up. Or even um, explicitly agreed upon. This wasn't an implicit expectation. This was something that was addressed multiple times, right? Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that clarification. Yeah. So a week out from his scheduled next session, which was after that month hiatus, he messaged me to reschedule his session and also inform me of his decision that he will now be meeting every other week. So can I pause really quick? So what happened Please. was we bent the boundaries, allowed him to cancel more frequently, then came back and said, all right, hey, we got to re revisit this. You have to show up a couple, uh, three times each month. He blew that boundary out of the water and you, you decided we will not terminate, correct? So you said we will correct. not terminate. Then he says, okay, we're not terminating, but I'm going to take a break. And then he comes back and he says, okay, now we're going down to twice a month, once every other week. You understand it. <laughs> okay. That so, makes sense to you guys, right? Yeah. Uh, you, are a, you are a better therapist than me, Ryan. <laughs> tell us what you oh, did with this. Are you sure? <laughs> I think I'm about to find out that I might not be. Yeah, tell us. So how, how did you handle him after you got this space to think and reflect and recognize these boundaries that have been maybe microscopically being bent along the way because this this deep compassion and empathy for him. What did you do when he came back and said, hey, we're going down, we are going down to once every other week? So I decided in that moment that enough was enough and that the relationship was done and that there was nothing that I could offer him that would actually be therapeutic. So... I was grappling with the decision. Do I email him and tell him of this decision? Or do I say, okay, we will schedule and I will see you at this date and then tell him in person. And I found that I was feeling way too many things in that moment. And I said, nope, I can't communicate this to a client in person in the way that I really want it to be received. I have experienced his reactions to things and I know that he is going to pull away and withdraw anyways. So why don't we give him the chance to allow him to respond to the situation in the way that he wants to and he feels that it's safest for him. So why don't I take the time to draft an email that communicates my decision to close with him and terminate services and refer him to a different provider. And so I did that. I think I drafted it six different times because I wanted to make sure that any emotion I had was removed from the, the text of it. I wanted to make sure that it clearly communicated a message of hope, a message of empowerment, acknowledging the strengths and the, you know, the therapeutic progress that he had made, and to just say, this is where things are at. 
and I would be happy to talk with you in person about this if you would like to schedule a session. And had you saw any consultation around this yet, or was this after the fact? Yes, I had sought consultation about this prior to. Um, I had consulted with um, my colleague who had worked with this client's partner mm. just to get a sense for like, hey, like, am I missing anything about this relationship? Mm-hmm. I had consulted with another person whose opinion I trust implicitly um, just to say like, hey, I need to check myself, right? Like, is this, you know, something that I am doing that is, you know, not benefiting the client? Hell, I had processed this in my own therapy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I feel so guilty about this client. What is that about for me? Right. Mm-hmm. We went into all of the, you know, familial trauma, generational trauma, everything that goes into that and says, okay, so maybe this is just the way in which you recognize that you can't be there for this person and you have to be okay with that. Well, I have a question. When you are drafting that email, because I'm putting myself in your shoes and I would be having a hell of a lot of emotions, what emotions were going through you that you were trying to not come across in this email? Oh, why are you asking about those? That's a good question. I don't know. We're there, I'm so sorry. I thought we only dealt with the mind. Can can I CBT this out? (laughs) (sighs) Anger. Resentment, annoyance, guilt, right? Wanting to remove all of those mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Those are he- all of those are heavy, very, very heavy. All of those are heavy, and they were so present. And I was stewing, and I think I, I think I had to wait an, an entire day before I finally said that. Either. It's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good self-awareness too. Cause you know, we uh, on the podcast talk about, yes, we're therapists, but we're humans, right? And how do we balance that? Because it's really challenging to be a therapist and a human at the same time. But it sounds like with your self-awareness, you really did those multiple drafts. You waited to send it. You removed yourself from that equation, your emotions. Consultation. It consultation, all of those Mm -hmm. things. So it sounds like with that self-awareness, you know, you knew what you had to do, how to handle it. So I guess the next big question is, how did the client respond? He exploded. Oh, boy. Um, He used my inbox as a vehicle to deliver his anger and distaste for me. Um, I had so many emails from him, uh, things saying, like, what a horrible, disgusting thing for you to do. Um, I was told to go fuck myself multiple times. I was told how I had completely derailed any progress we had made. I was also accused of abandoning him when we hit a quote unquote tough moment. Mm, tapping and in no matter, the guilt that was already there. Yep. Or not. I don't know. Oh, the guilt was there. It was still there even after? hmm Wow. The thing that, like, just really hit me about this is that, like, I received these emails, and I really 
try to find my inner confidence that I know that I am a therapist at this moment. I know that I made this decision for a reason and I have to stick to it. And he is allowed to be pissed. He is allowed to be angry. He is allowed to feel whatever feelings he's having. And so that was what I felt my responsibility was. And any replies to him was to just validate that he was feeling what he was feeling, encourage him to process them in a way that he needed to, to tell him that he could still process that with me if he wanted a final session. And every single email reply I got back was even more angry than the last. Mm. How did that wrap up? Like, did you reply to every email or did, like, how did that conclude if it was just that kind of cycle of validating responses and anger? How did it conclude? So eventually I just stopped responding and I had said, I respect your decision. If you change your mind, I will gladly make time for you. And then he had actually used our practices and I mean the private practice at large policies on if they want to file a complaint against their provider. and use those to voice his complaint to the owner of our practice. Wow, how was that received? The owner was, you know, very understanding of my experience here and, and asked about my decision-making and why I chose to make the decisions that I made mm -hmm. um, and received the client's complaint with, you know, grace and compassion, um, as is expected, um, but just reinforced that, you know, he wouldn't be able to see any of the providers in our practice. Wow. He was dismissed from the entire practice. Wow. What, when you offered to process it in one final termination session, was, what, what percentage of you was hoping he'd take you up on that? Oh God, I don't even know. That's just something that I offer to every single client and because that's kind of how I was trained, right? You know, most people won't actually take you up on it if they if there's any of these circumstances that they decide that, you know, they just want to yeah. end therapy for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and so I just, you know, I still offer it because I just know that that's best practice. I guess I wonder because two years is a, is, is a long time to be working with someone who you have this compassion for. And I think that, we can all, you know, relate to being ghosted by clients who we have long-term relationships with. And so I, I normally would be hoping, crossing my fingers, that we would be able to have that closure together. But in this particular scenario, when you are the target of so much anger and hurt, that I, I don't know if I would be hoping he would take me up on that, right? I think I would have mixed feelings about offering that um, or even or even this obligation. But Maybe hoping he doesn't? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. I think, truthfully, I was very open to whatever the experience would be, and I was incredibly caught off guard by the level of anger that came through. How did you process that? I mean, that we in the therapy room are, you know, 
blank slate or not, we're targets for emotion, right? Um, and relationships. And we use that information in our work with our clients. But in an email inbox, that is not <laughs> where I am expecting to have to contain and, and validate um, uh, hatred or anger or hurt on a, on a persistent basis. How did you process it? How did you manage it? What were your feelings like? What'd you do? Self-care? <laughs> okay. First and foremost, if you are not getting these kinds of emails, then you have so much better boundaries than I do because apparently I don't have those good boundaries because I get this a funny, little too much. So funny story. I actually do not have a practice email, but clients cannot email me. Oh, we can talk more about that later. That's the workaround. <laughs> yeah, there it is, guys. There's a solution. No more email. You can't now. I have, terms. I have a lot of different uh, things that have to go into that being a workable solution. But no, I have never experienced that. So what did you do? I drank a bottle of wine. <laughs> I listened to some Adele. <laughs> I think I had some bonbons at some point. No, that's a lie. I was doing a lot of baking at the time, so I ate what I baked. So self-care and you let yourself sit with it. I let myself sit with it. I went to my partner and I told him this really shitty thing just happened and I can't tell you the details about it, but it really sucks. And I just need to just say this thing sucks. And you need to say, yeah, that sucks. I'm so sorry. You didn't deserve to hear that. And he looked at me and rolled his eyes as he does and said, do you really need me to say that as is? And I said, yes, damn it. Say it like that. <laughs> I do the same thing. I'm like, I just need you to literally say this thing to me, please. Thank you. Proceed. <laughs> yeah. Because at the same time, too, this is when we were all working from our homes. Yeah. We didn't have our colleagues who we can go knock on their doors and say, I don't know what to do about this. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so my partner was my office mate, my roommate, my husband, <laughs> and also the person I was so annoyed at because I had to take the trash out the last time. <laughs> We can get at a whole different story about boundaries around mm -hmm. relationships during the pandemic. Yes. But that was definitely bringing our work into our home, mm -hmm. I think, was an uh, unexpected challenge that crept up on all of us. Suddenly, we're now, you know, not having this divide or not having these these the space in between our work and our home life and our loved ones, um, yeah. particularly in the mental health fields. But you went through it. So that's a really good context to keep in mind that you went through this in the middle of working from home and adjusting and not having that collegial support that you had in your private practice office space. I'm even wondering, I wonder if we'll never know, but do you think it would have gone differently if you weren't working from home? That's a great question that I don't even have an answer to. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like through the pandemic and telehealth, some of the dynamics with clients did feel like, at least for me in my practice, it felt like it shifted. Even mm -hmm. cancellations and things feel like they shifted a bit too. So it's interesting, like, it, you know, obviously the pandemic influenced the boundary setting for you. So it's, again, we won't ever know, but just something to think about. You know what? Actually, I'm glad that you said that about cancellations because there is something that was unique about this client in particular. Initially, he didn't want to do telehealth. Oh, he yeah. said he didn't feel like it was the same, which many of us heard that from client after mm -hmm. client, right? Mm -hmm. But then eventually he said, I realize I need it more than I thought I did. And so if this is the only way that I can, then okay, I'll do it. 
And so initially I was like, great, like this is going to reduce cancellations, late cancellations from you completely. But in reality, all it did was that it just revealed and confirmed my suspicion that canceling, not because you actually have these events that you know are getting in the way of you, this is you're avoiding the way that therapy makes you feel. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I think to that point, you probably would have canceled more times and I would have, I, all right, let's not get too big here and crazy, but you know, maybe I would have canceled and terminated on him sooner. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So looking, Oh, go ahead, Catherine. Sorry. (laughs) Oh no, you go ahead, Ellie. Well, I was going to say like, looking back on this, like we always say, you know, hindsight's 2020, Mm -hmm. how could you have prepared differently for this or how could you have handled it any differently if you would? I think if I'm being honest with myself and who I am, I think I need to acknowledge that karma transference. That if there is this person that I am feeling this way about, that I need to acknowledge that that means that I'm going to feel drawn to bend my boundaries Uh and sticking with those boundaries because they benefit not just me, but whoever that client is sitting in front of me too. Um, I also need to know that it's okay to make these decisions earlier. There was a client I was talking about recently in consultation with one of my colleagues, completely unrelated to this current one, and he brought up the concept of a soft breakup. And it's this idea of how do you start the conversation off with a client that maybe therapy isn't working for them or that it's not working with you. Uh Uh And that's been something I've been thinking about and it's really timely. Hey, look at this. We get to talk about this about (laughs) here, right? What would a soft breakup have looked like with this person? Could this person have tolerated a soft breakup? I mean... That's just where my head goes. I would say no. No. Right. There are some really strong personality structures that I was very aware of within this person. But only when I was the one that was doing the ending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you you successfully navigated this it is it is in your past but you've learned from it if you were to be in a consultation group or have one of your colleagues come to you and describe near about the same situation they have a a client who's resisting treatment um no showing a lot um not following through on set mutually agreed upon expectations and now calling the shots on decreasing frequency when you believe it's counterindicated what would you what would you advise them to do what would you what would you tell them that's the beautiful thing i would tell them to do everything differently than what i did Right? Everything. I could operate everything, everything differently. differently. <laughs> everything differently, right? Like, no, this is your boundary. You are the therapist. You are the expert here. They need to listen to you. How dare this client tell you how your therapy practice works, right? No, that's not how I work, though, right? 
I think at the end of it, right, like we can be so supportive of our fellow therapists in ways that we cannot be supportive of ourselves at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think that is such a common theme across all of these episodes of Am I a Bad Therapist is that our inner critic is so much harsher, so much harsher than than those or our, our criticisms of those around us or our peers or our, our colleagues. And I feel like it's just easier to say it to somebody else. Be like, yeah, set those boundaries. Be set super rigid. Boundaries. This is your time. And then when it comes to yourself, you're like, oh, but, you know. But I, I like them. them. Yeah, I, I feel it. Them. No, yeah. I'm so compassionate. But, like, am I sure that this person's going to still like me? And am I going <laughs> to let my stuff come up around, like, this person doesn't like me or not? No, it's not going to come up, right? Yes, yes, it will. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm glad that you are confident you know you're not a bad therapist and that we're all just navigating these murky gray areas of being humans, helping humans. Um, And so thank you for sharing your story. I hope it helps everyone else out there. Yes, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you both for having me on here. It was a delight to get to share this story. Please have me back. I have tons more where that came from. Yes. Oh, we absolutely will. Oh, of course. (laughs) Um, And Ryan, if anyone wants to connect with you outside of the podcast, where can they find you? Well, they can find me um, on the internet. Um, I am a private practice clinician, Wellman Psychology and Associates here in Chicago, Illinois. So they can look us up at wellmanpsychology.com. Otherwise, they can find me on Instagram. Although I am not the most social media prominent therapist out there, they can connect with me at Coventry under dash counseling. Just that. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being here with us today. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. If you include your Instagram handle, we just might send you some Bad Therapist swag. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air For Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air For Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.